Christmas Eve, 1916, on the corner of Meyer and Simpson, Eduardo Lalo Guerrero was born. He would grow to become a champion of his Chicano Mexican heritage, and he was recognized worldwide for his singing and prolific songwriting. In his younger years, he performed all over Tucson, and his talent eventually led him to Los Angeles. Lalo Guerrero was of a generation known for the Pachuco period, a time when Chicanos expressed their growing cultural identity and independence. They flowed right into the zoot suit-influenced clothing, language, and song. We recently sat down with a couple of men who briefly crossed paths with Lalo Guerrero and got their impressions of his impact. Ruben Lopez Moreno will be 92 on Christmas Day. He grew up on Convent Street, just a stone's throw away from Lalo Guerrero's home. He went to school with Lalo's younger brothers and tells of a time when everyone played music and sang. Lalo just did it a little bit better. Senor Moreno was joined in the interview with his son, also named Ruben, who is a successful music musician here. He's had a wonderful career with Mariachi Luz de Luna, and the younger Moreno has also toured with Calexico. He's helped numerous schools create a mariachi program, and he's been performing throughout Tucson and um, all over, really, for over 40 years. Just had a little bit of a, a unique perspective, and we wanted to share that with you here today. Uh, Lalo's uh, family uh, lived uh, just uh, half a block away from us. Yeah, in Barrio Viejo? Uh-huh. Okay. Huh? How long did you live in Barrio Viejo? All my life. Yeah. I grew up in there and, and uh, from there on went to the Navy and then I went to the Marines. Korea. And uh, Came, came back uh, I wound up back in, in uh, Tucson. In uh, Tucson, Bar. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and did, did you grow up in, did you have a large family? Uh, it was uh, three brothers, uh, one sister. He was the third brother. So two, two brothers and a sister. Right. He is the youngest. You're the baby of the family. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we, we wanted to do a little story about uh, Lalo Guerrero, and, and I think a lot of people know who he is, but you have a very unique perspective. You grew up next to him, uh, so you knew him as a, before he was famous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what was he like as a kid? Lalo? Yeah. Well, uh, he's uh, older than I am, uh, so, but I used to. See, every time he'd come to the Plaza Theater and, uh -huh. and he'd... Uh, With the Carlistas, you know. Yeah, yeah. Did you know him before he was uh, playing, playing music or did you, did you get to know him after he was already playing music? Uh, before uh, he started playing music, I knew, I knew him because I went to school with a younger brother. Okay, of his. who was in his class. And... Uh, and whenever he'd uh, perform at the uh, Plaza Theater, well, I'd be there, you know. So he was doing that as a, as a young man, as a, uh -huh. okay, just kind of, just trying to figure out his place. He wasn't even, yeah. he didn't know he was going to be Lalo Guerrero at that point. He was still, you know, because he loved music. 
and, and that expression, because in those days, almost everyone could sing or play because that's the best way to win and conquer a heart, a sweetheart. Okay. Because anybody can buy flowers and candy, but if you can sing to her, it, you could convey an, a um, specialness that um, flowers and candy can't do. So it's, it's something that the whole culture developed, uh -huh. you know, the romantic aspect, the serenade, uh -huh. you know, that's, you know, that goes back hundreds of years, you know, where the typical image is singing to the girl in the second floor bedroom from a balcony, and you bring the mariachi to serenade her to show how much you're interested in her. And, right. to, and if she thinks you're worthy or cute enough, you know, then she might invite you in, or to come back in the morning when the parents will allow <coughs> us to go back in, you know? Or that you might get hit with a bucket of water to go away. <laughs> so, so that was the time of the culture, you know, much longer. I mean, we're talking primitive TV, you know, before TV, radio was just maybe starting to come out, but that was still what carried over from the generations before radio and TV. What, what street was your house on? Was it on Meyer or, or what? Uh, and uh, I lived on Convent. Okay. How long was he in Tucson? Do you know? Was he was he about twenty five or so when he moved away? I uh, he lived in uh, in Tucson uh, most of his his uh, growing life, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, outside of that, uh, he, he lived all over the world. You know, he sang very well. Yeah, he would. Uh, sing at uh, the fiestas and whatever. Mm -hmm. He was a local songs. talent that everybody went to, like of the local talent that was here, because he was so good they kept on doing it to the point where he branched off and eventually, eventually went to California, but would still come back because his, as his Barrio Viejo song indicates, it was something always pulling him back, that sense of community and home. So when did, when did you meet him? Oh God, it was later in his life. Um, because he'd already moved to L.A. And oh, yeah, career. he was famous. His sons were up and grown up, and, you know, his, his life went over there because that was a source of opportunity. You sure. know, with that many millions of people, there's more performing opportunities, more career opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, from everything from television to radio to you name it. And he was also a great composer, and so he could get more um, work, so to speak, and saturate that market easier than the limitations of a small town like Tucson. He got out there, and I knew of him through most of the recordings they would play because they had all his recordings. We're talking his, his biggest claim to fame because, of course, he led the Pachuco movement coming out of California. That was the first thing to, to kind of give them an identity. You know, because the Pachuco was an American-born Hispanic that spoke both languages, and those that spoke correct Spanish, it's like hearing somebody speak uh, in American English, hillbilly twang, or something, because it was not completely Spanish. It had a lot of slang American, a lot of slang Spanish, because they were kind of that new age, like kids today invent their own expressions. Yeah. They were doing it then, and they had embraced both the swing era music, mm -hmm. and also the, the, um, the slang for the streets to give them their identity. So that's what I wanted to speak of, like for example, his earlier works with, with, with a trio. So I would say he got into this kind of a swing feel, you know, that this is his recording. You might have heard that one already. So, you know, that, and then he'd... So he'd be a storyteller. So a lot of his compositions told stories. 
That's in Spanish and English. That's what I've heard. <laughs> this is kind of like a this is Afro-Cuban mambo, you know. So his versatility was such that it allowed him a, a great field of expression. But then he got into the, the the satires and the parodies. The Disney parody he did on um, Pancho Pancho Lopez, King of the Barrio. And so he, you know, the Davy Crockett thing, dum ba da 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 dum dun dun dun, and he put his lyric in a satirical form, it made you laugh. And that was his whole thing. He wanted to engage and entertain in any form possible. And by coming up with his parodies, it kind of drew on what American Idol or imagery of a pioneer, you know? And so you might have had Davy Crockett, but we had Pancho Lopez, you know? So these parodies is what made him engaging to those that could understand his Spanish and English. And he knew he was getting famous when Disney sued him. <laughs> so, so that meant that word of this had reached Disney to the point to where um, he had to pay a royalty, you know? So, and so that's when, of course, other opportunities opened up, and as long as Disney got their royalty, they gave him more songs to try to make parodies. Sure. <laughs> so. That is Ruben Moreno. We're interviewing him and his father, also named Ruben, about Lalo Guerrero. We'll be back to that interview in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that you are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. All right, well, welcome back. We're going to finish up our interview with Ruben Lopez Moreno and his son, Ruben Moreno, about uh, their paths crossing with Lalo Guerrero and what they see as his impact on Tucson and on music. Did you know? Uh, did you know Lalo Guerrero as a, as a funny person? Was he? Was he? A, did he tell jokes? Was he a funny person? Uh, he was a regular person. Very modest. He used to to kid around with uh, the people around him, you know. And uh, to him, he he wasn't popular because he's. This is who he grew up with, you know, so he was still one of the good old boys or friends or chums, you know. Yeah. And he never wanted to give the illusion that he was ever unreachable or unaccessible. Right. And even though he became almost internationally famous, he never let that get in the way of what started him here in Tucson. And, and I remember him coming over to the house and singing, you know, at his visits. And we'd get a bunch of people together that were friends of his. And oh, so this is after he moved away to LA, yeah. he would come back and come yeah, over Yeah, we're talking about the last 10 years of his life. He was, as long as he was physically able, he'd come over. And, and come over <laughs> for one reason or another, but they'd throw a party for him to just appreciate it. He's, he's, it was really a reason, of, kind of a, an audience for him to perform for, because he was always a, willing to perform. Uh, his uh, family lived about, a, oh, half a block away from, from where we was we it lived on Simpson or Meyer? Tucson. Yeah. Were, were, were you did were you musically inclined? Did you play any instruments? Were you a, a singer? Yes, I was a Maria Papa. Everybody played guitar out there, but uh, you you could say that it wasn't uh, professional. So. so so there's like there's a level of one serenading hoping to make an impression, and then it's on to extend to where they get paid to do that. Gotcha. <laughs> you know. I, I, I had cousins that, that played uh, pretty much professional, mm -hmm. although they never played, uh, recorded any. When you think of any suppressed culture at the bottom of the social caste system, you know, jazz blues came out of the suppressed slaves of the South. 
mariachi was at the lowest level of the Mexican echelon and grew to become more and more uh, present in the culture to the point where it started appearing in movies. The movies depicted the hero as a vaquero landowner. Mm -hmm. The landowner had peones, peons, that would work for him. From that culture came the expression of the music. The movies depict him now, the hero is a singing hero. He's a John Wayne that can sing. So around him was the mariachi. But the mariachi came out of a Muslim cotton pants with a sash. They didn't have leather belts. They weren't charro completos. To be a charro completo, you have to pass a ritual of over 18 different events and get pointed by fellow charros to see if you're there yet. If you're not there, you don't pass it. But until you do, now only then, by their standard of, of judging, were you allowed to wear the uniform that I, with mariachis were. So is that, would that be the kind of the, the music that uh, Lala Guerrero would have grown up with, like playing mariachi music? Right. He would have heard that from the movies because the movies made you heroic. I mean, this is before TV, so the, it, the cine, this, 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 the movie theaters were like bigger than life. And they were, because the screen is 20 by 20 and, and you're seeing these heroes bigger than life. The mariachis in the theater audience would see mariachis in, in the theater wearing a nicer outfit now. The producers dressed them up. No more sashin, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Muslim cotton pants and sashes and, and shirts. They put them in a, a kind of a, a charro outfit, but not as adorned mm -hmm. with a silver buttoning, because this is just a tuxedo of the day with a man who had the wealth to wear it. So the movies then portrayed that, so then Right, so we're in the audience life, and my life, ancestors are watching that. imitates the art. Right, so we start wearing outfits and for 20 years, for two decades, the Charro associations who earned this uniform are pissed off that we lowly mariachis are wearing the same thing. Are you crazy? You haven't earned it. They wanted to kick our butts. But because of the depiction of their music and their culture in the musical form, they eventually subsided when the industrialization took over and there was less and less attention to it. And now it's almost an accepted um, way to present mariachi music in the outfit of the charro. But he expanded it so much broader. Well, he stretched it because he could cross to other genres because he was Americanized. And yet his Spanish was as fluent as the best. So he saw the fit for the hybrid Chicano and knowing that when he played it live, people liked it. Oh, you should record it, I love it. You know, so he did. <laughs> Get radio time and you're launching that to people who didn't have that much TV. Dad, when you were a kid, how much TV did you ever see? How much what? Television. Did you have a television in your house as a kid growing up? <laughs> Hardly. Mm-hmm. So, but radio. Uh, like a radio was it? A radio yeah. and a guitar. You know, that he had his niche that he came from, but like anything, you want to stretch to do what else? What else can you do? So he got into now the Zoot Suit movement, made a lot of hits, and, and there were semi-parodies. Uh, and then he got into the satirical parodies. And then he went later, later in his career, in the last 10 years before he passed, back to the sentimental or the nostalgic, which is where Barrio Vejo came, which was one of his later recordings, as he drew full circle to where he came from. Would it be safe to say that, that his, uh, his style of music made it more uh, recognized around yeah. the United States and places that where you might not have heard mariachi music or you might have heard Lala Guerrero because of his, his more uh, popular Because he, he stretched to that, uh, yeah. But, but he would still pull people into right. that, that romantic, that ballad. Because 
But we, we draw this again from the tradition that where it came from, which is the vaquero, the rancher, the charro completo. And when I play the music today, I am saying thank you to his sacrifice, mm -hmm. to what he had to do to endure the discrimination and all the things, because you know they wanted to keep us in one place and, and subjugated and, and only propel their own to the top, and yet we needed to create our own genre and our own image to create value for us so that we weren't forgotten or pushed aside. You know, because until you have an identity that merits applause or recognition, uh -huh. Do you have something you can relate to to compare to the American heroes and artists? So we needed our own artists. And so we had them in genres that were specific to our culture. But Lalo could win them from both sides, English-speaking or, or Americanized, mixed, you know, Mexican-American, Chicano. Or even the hardcore Mexicano could relate to him because he, they saw that he was different, but still bringing positive attention to the culture. And... That's, that stretch, that expansion, I think, helped create, through Lalo's efforts and recordings, a place where people may not have paid attention because maybe they didn't understand Spanish. But he spoke enough and sang enough in English to win them over to where they're picking up now Spanish words. Mm -hmm. It's an international ideal to come and break the feudal system of caste and come to the new world and make your own destiny and ascend to anything that hard work could bring you. It seems to me, from what little I know of music, that individuals like Lalo Guerrero and, and, and Calexico, the, that those are types of people that translate music so that you can, that's that crossover, I guess, is what you refer to, right. but they, they, they take, they don't lose their history and their culture, they just expand it in a way that makes it more attractive to people that would not otherwise fully embrace it. Or they'd it. stay in the fringes and say, mm, you know, and now when you connect to them, by singing the language or in a style that's their style or a style they recognize, okay, it's like adding sugar to medicine. And once they've sensed what it is and, and see the good in it, will they then understand to embrace it to where uh, it now becomes part of their library of songs that they want to have available. Well, and then once, you, once you've made that transition, you, you help someone even further that, and now they want to go more they want to go farther back. Right, because that. now they have a following, and so that means there's an audience for it. Let's feed it with more of that. Mm -hmm. And that's how new genres come out of the alternative market and how Lalo started his genre of the Zoot Suits. And, and, and so people, music will always evolve. So the music you're playing these days is um, based upon the, the original sort of three-chord Mariachi, but it's, it's become to a much more sophisticated... Oh, it's much more... It's as sophisticated as any other classical style now. The movements of mariachi... But, but you don't feel like you've gone away from your roots. You just... Right. It, it's, it, it's, embraced, it's embraced more of the sophistication of, of movie soundtracks, of, of, of classical symphonies. But it's also picking out some jazz, too, mm -hmm. and, and picking out darker and more colorful chords. And that's... That's what I'm wondering, because it seems like with, with the time frame where Lalo Guerrero really sort of made that transition or, or broadened his audience, was it a time where America in general was just sort of experimenting with jazz and yeah. figuring that out, and, and that gave a lot of freedom to musicians to... Right. To, he was in a pivotal point in that, history. It was very um, experimental for music in general. Mm -hmm. Does his... Does he have any influence in, in, over your music in any way? Are you? I, I think yes, in the sense that I can play 
those American crossover tunes because we have an American audience. Every musician will eventually stretch. We heard a Mariachi Sol de Mexico play Tchaikovsky at the Christmas concert mm. at the Vox Theater. It was blow away phenomenally good. I've seen Metalachi. Yeah, look what they're doing with punk rock. No, what is it? Heavy punk, metal. Heavy metal. But they make it fun because they do a lot of parody and they throw in mariachi and I love that. That's a great stretch. So to me, yes, that's another example of embracing and taking your style into the known style of another genre, the American rock, and making a parody satire and fun with it. It's hilarious. It's a great show. But it's, 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 it would be almost disrespectful to not take it to a different level. Right. I mean, you, you, you've given a foundation, that doesn't mean that's the end all, that's, that's the starting point. Right. You can build on that foundation. And that's why I play with such pride, yes. And that's what I teach my students. You owe your parents and ancestors this. Honor them by playing it right and taking it to places where they're proud of you. That was Ruben Moreno being interviewed with his father, Ruben Lopez Moreno, about Lalo Guerrero. Uh, really touching stories about how, uh, you know, Lalo Guerrero is a regular guy. And uh, no matter what his success was, he always uh, kept his roots here in Tucson. Well, my name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org.